This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street. Your favorite draft analysts, favorite draft analysts, the Draft Act NBA Draft Show. Uh, my name is Corey Sullivan, and I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Garbage Time Gim. Albert, what's cracking, dude? What's going on? Um, happy holidays. It's Christmas week. Yes, Didn't is. even realize. Yeah, it's Christmas week, so it's good to be on. I'm excited to be on. Excited to talk some hoops. Excited to talk some Duke basketball. Mm. Uh, yeah, but uh, all is well and happy holidays. Yes, Duke basketball, uh, the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, I'm excited for um, this episode. I think it's going to be an interesting episode. Uh, maybe it gets a little spicy. Who knows? There's no way of knowing. But we are covering Duke's Kyle Filipowski. Who would have thought the first Duke prospect we cover in season? was going to be Kyle Filipowski. We did cover his teammate Derek Lively in a preseason episode. Mr. Filipowski is a forward. He is 19.6 years old on draft night. He is listed at 6'11 or 7 feet, depending where you look. Uh, 220 pounds, did not find a wingspan. He is playing 27.3 minutes per game, averaging 14.8 points per game, 9.2 rebounds per game, 1.3 assists per game to 2.2 turnovers, one and a half steals a game, 0.8 blocks. Shooting 43.2%, 33.3% from three, and 81.5% from the free throw line, two shooting True shooting percentage of 54.1 with a PER of 26.3. Preseason stock prices for Filipowski. Uh, ESPN had him at 31. SB Nation did not have him ranked. Basketball News had him at 24. The Athletic did not have him ranked. Tankathon had him at 29. No ceilings. We had him at 44. Sports Illustrated did not have him ranked. That was an average stock price of 37.6. Coming in at 37th on the Draft Act IPO. Currently, though, ESPN has him at 14. The Athletic still did not have him ranked in their last update. Tankathon has him at 16. Basketball News has him at 18. Bleacher Report has him at 18. Sports Illustrated has him at 17. No Ceilings has him at 21 on the big board that we just released on the website this week. That is an average stock price of 21.3. So, Albert, I ask you, as always, is Kyle Filipowski's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? I think anywhere in the 20s is totally fair. Um, I think where I'm at so far with Filipowski is he is a player who we will talk about. He is a player. <laughs> That is good evaluation. <laughs> he's got, he is a player um, with some areas of improvement, and um, he's not the perfect player. Is there are certain things about his game that I don't necessarily love? So at, at this stage, with what we've seen so far, which has been pretty pleasant at times, I, I would say twenty one is pretty fair. I I think it's fair right now for sure. Um, he's clearly been one of the biggest risers in. Uh, this draft cycle so far, as you can see, people were skeptical of him for reasons that we'll discuss throughout the pod. Um, but he's also been, you know, one of the guys who has been really solid this year. Things that he has to work on for sure, but he's he showed some stuff that I, I think preseason, based on some of the reports, which, you know, you can't put all of your stock and, and all your faith into, he is outplayed 
what people had him at. So I'm cool with 21.3. I think there's room for him to continue to climb depending on how this, you know, the rest of his season goes. But I think he's trending in the right direction that ultimately, you know, he's going to be a top 20 guy. And I think, you know, he could potentially be a lottery pick because I I do think that, you know, as we're going to continue to go on and we get into conference play, you know, there are going to be some guys that I think that are ranked in the lottery now that ultimately might fall out and we're going to have surprises. And and I think that Filipowski is a guy who's going to be steady and consistent. And I think that means something. Yeah, I agree. And to be honest, Corey, there might be, you know, what you were describing about guys falling out of the lottery. There might be guys on his team who mm. end up doing that as well. And I'm, I'm not saying that it will happen, but it's possible. So considering all that, I, I think I agree with you. I think he's a he, he's been good. I think he's been, he's actually been good. And we'll talk more about that. But overall, there there's this, there's clearly a shot for him to make the lottery. Albert, you kind of read my mind a little bit. I, I mean, if I were to ask you, Kyle Filipowski is Duke's blank prospect. Oh, God. That's a, that's a really tough one, dude. That's a really, really tough one. I think right now I want to say second. Mm. Um, I know that Derek Whitehead has not looked great since coming back from injury, but... um. As you mentioned, I think in our, I think you mentioned this last week. I don't remember when you mentioned it, but it is possible that it might be an AJ Griffin type of thing where he needs time to reacclimate and kind of you know get into the flow of things, yada yada yada. So, um, yeah. And then Derek Lively is really difficult for me. I think he's only become more difficult for me since we recorded that preseason pod. So yeah. I, I feel pretty good about saying second. I agree with you. I think right now he is the second best prospect and part of being a draft prospect is projecting forward. Right. So yes, um, lively and Derek Whitehead have struggled, but there's still time. And, you know, I'm, uh, by the time you're listening to this, I will have put out a piece on lively Derek Whitehead. And Dylan Mitchell in there as well. Guys who have kind of dropped their draft stock a little bit and just talking about, you know, potentially why their draft stock has dropped. Um, And with Dariq, you know, clearly the injury has affected him, but it is one of those things where, you know, uh, he's got to start turning it on eventually. Or, you know, a guy like Filipowski, who maybe isn't the sexiest pick ever, but has brought some kind of level of consistency to, to a team and what he could do in the NBA, it could surpass him. So I don't think it's out of the question that he becomes the best prospect, but right now I would rank him behind Whitehead. Yeah, and I'm right there with you, man. All right. So uh, uh, as we move on from that, mm-hmm. now I'm going to ask you if you had $10. Okay, here we go. To invest in Kyle Filipowski, Tyrese Proctor, and Derek Lively. Whoa. How would you spend your $10? I know normally I go with the three guys who play kind of similarly, but these are the guys on Duke after Derek um, that I think are the guys that are going to be in the draft conversation because I think Mitchell stays a second year. Hmm. That's really interesting. Okay, let's do this then. Um, I actually was not expecting that combo at all or that trio at all. Um, Let's do... Because, man, Lively is really difficult for me at this point. Um, so let me be honest. Okay. I'm going to give Lively $2. Okay. You got eight left. And I'll give four and four to Filipowski and Proctor because I do like Proctor mm. a lot. Yeah. Very interesting. That's yeah. what I, That's the kind of, of zag that I was looking for with the Tyrese Proctor included in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give Filipowski five. I'm going to give Lively three. And I'm going to give Proctor two because as iffy as Lively has looked to put it kindly, mm-hmm. I don't think this Duke roster construction is doing him any favors. Mm-hmm. He also is a guy who was coming back from an injury. And I, I think that he's shown some real passing flashes. I think that when you put him in an NBA context, what he'll be able to do offensively is going to look way smoother than what he's doing at duke and i think that um you know if you look at some of the the statistics you know the advanced stats like they're 
you know, they tell a little bit of a different story as reasons to be optimistic. And and I think that, you know, he's he's looked fluid on the perimeter at times and he could play drop and he, I think he could switch a little bit. So even if the shot never comes around and, you know, we'll cover Derek Lively in its entirety at some other point, I, I do think I'm not fully jumping off the wagon yet. Although, you know, like everybody else, he has slightly dropped on my own personal board but not too far because I was already a little skeptical about him coming mm-hmm. into the year, but I still think there's intriguing stuff. All right, let's sure. get into Kyle Filipowski here. And I think with him, we have to start with the shooting. Yeah. You know, there's no reason to to even ask the question. His, his thing is that he is seven feet tall mm-hmm. and the man could shoot. Mm-hmm. So he's shooting 33% from three, right? Is he a 33% three point shooter? No, no, not at all. It's to the point where, Corey, when I looked up those numbers, I was like, this can't be right. Because yeah. when I watch him shoot, it's not like it, it, it's 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 pretty alarming when he misses for me. Um, and, and Corey, I did want to ask you something, because as I was evaluating Filipowski through his first what, how many games has he played? 11 games or so, 12 games. Like um, I, I did wonder. I thought early on in the season, he had some like wild misses, like really short side, whatever was wondering, is it more of him just adjusting to college basketball was what I thought, because mechanically everything looked fantastic. Um, I really like watching him shoot. Like everything looks really pretty to me. So I was wondering what was going on and why he had such ugly misses early on in the season. And I thought to myself, well, it could very easily just be him adjusting to college basketball and college in general, or maybe I'm just being way too nice to him and giving cutting him way too much slack. Just wanted to get some feedback from you because when I watched him shoot, I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah. And this should go in every single time. So I was wondering, okay, if they're not, if they weren't going in as much early on, what was the reason for that? Is uh, something I wanted to ask. He might have the prettiest shot in the class, like just from a technical, like right. how you would want to teach somebody how to shoot a jump shot. That thing is beautiful, man. And he's doing it at six eleven, seven feet with a high release. Like it, it's a pretty technically sound aesthetically pleasing jumper i think you know if you look at early on i think it could be a number of things because it's certainly not the mechanics right it could be like you said maybe he's adjusting to the speed of the game the length of closeout guys i also think and you know i I briefly mentioned it with lively i don't think that this duke team really has Mm -hmm. the kind of guards that know how to find a guy like him in his spots at all times I, i jeremy roach is a guy who, you know, he he's looking for his shot and it's an inefficient shot. He can kind of run a little pick and roll and a pick and pop, but he's he's not going to do it consistently. He's not passing you open. He's no Taron Armstrong. Shout out to Tyler Metcalf. I think that Tyrese Proctor, maybe by the end of the year, we start seeing a little bit more like impressive passing flashes from him where, you know, it, it could benefit Lively and Filipowski and, and Whitehead. But, we have to remember with Proctor is that while he's been on the radar and he's played high level competition for a while, uh, he is a year younger than everybody. He's a reclass. So he does still need time to develop too. And I think watching Filipowski numerous times, I was just like, Oh man, he really missed a wide open shooter to take Mm. that step back shot. And even when it goes in, it's like, okay, the result is good, but the process wasn't, and it's it's one of those things where you know as a player you're like all right I I hit the shot so I'm gonna if I get that opportunity again I'm gonna take another one and sometimes he, he even though like passing is kind of his thing I do think that sometimes he doesn't see everything and that's hurt some of the guys on Duke so I do think that it's like a combination of everything and sometimes it's what'd you say it was 11 12 games right yeah small sample right small sample right you know over a, a 40 game season I'd expect that number to be at 36 and a half 37 percent and climb up and you look at like the back end of the 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 season numbers and he's probably going to be closer to 40 percent than than what he is now <clears throat> so i think it's all of the above okay yeah I, I think that's all fair um and I, i'm gonna agree with everything that you said and on top of that just like not just like his standing and shooting is beautiful but even like on the move um yeah dribble dribble handoffs um he, 
he did get pretty ambitious at times with a couple uh, one dribble <laughs> step back shots that were uh, did not lead to much. But I, I like that he tried them, right? Like the effort and the attempt is always a good thing as well. But overall, man, I think if we just isolate his shooting alone, uh, an NBA team will look at that jump jumper and think, wow, this guy is going to be an incredible shooter moving forward because the mechanics, the way that it looks aesthetically, um, as you mentioned, the high release point, everything looks so beautiful. The way he gets it off is easy as well. So um, I think there's so much to like about his shooting where it, it, it has to increase his stock in a lot of people, people's minds because the NBA likes shooters. And if you've got one at seven feet, it's not a bad thing to have. So that alone kind of sets a very strong foundation for him as a prospect. And then once the other aspects of his game start to develop as well, we're talking about a really good player. So um, just in terms of his shooting, Corey, I like it a lot. I love it is as far as I'll go. Yeah, I and I'm glad you touched kind of on the movement shooting. I wish that Duke used him more more as a movement yeah. Yeah. shooter. You know, I, I think he's got good instincts like. Uh, most guys who are his size, you know, even if they're picking and popping or whatever, like, you know, that's kind of it. They don't necessarily know when to like flatten out to the corner out of, you know, when, when they're spotted up and somebody else is running the pick and roll. He's got that in his game. He already has that kind of feel as to where, as either to lift or to flatten. Um, and then, like you said, like he, he's knocked down shots, like as the wing guy, coming off of a tho so if if you go under he'll let it fly you know and and i think that those are the kind of opportunities that he's going to get in the nba where you know obviously teams will have a scout on him and they'll know and i think college teams are smart they know that he's a shooter but you still want to see a guy that tall you still want to see it before you're like selling out to stop him especially when he's only knocking down 33 percent of his shots overall you're not selling out for him coming off a of dho especially and, and we'll get to you know some of the other stuff of this game he put it on the floor coming off that dho and and kind of attack a little bit but i do like how versatile he's going to be as a shooter and when you're a, a big man who could shoot there's a big difference coming in and like what he represents as a shooter who's seven feet tall versus what you know, we were talking about like, oh, Derek Lively took some threes in, you know, the EYBL yeah. that maybe he's going to be able to space the floor one day. Like there's a vast difference mm -hmm. in what you could do and in, in how you can use him in your offense um, because of how many different ways he can get to a shot. Yeah, no, I agree. And something that you kind of mentioned before, um, he can handle the ball a little bit. He can and, handle the ball uh, a little bit. Yeah. And the only gripe that I think I had was I thought he settled for mid-range jump shots too much instead of taking it all the way to the rim at times. But that can change. That can improve. You know, not going to not gonna freaking, you know, kill the guy for it. But um, and, and it, actually, I, I didn't mind some of the mid-range shots he took as well. So adding, I like some of them. Yeah, exactly. So having that in his bag is not a bad thing. Um, which also led me to my comp for him because, like, I actually like some of the mid-range, mid-post stuff that he was doing. Um, but, Corey, I think the point that you made earlier is the most important point. I think Filipowski's evaluation, Derek Lively's evaluation, Proctor, all these guys, their evals are going to be so hard because of how they're currently being used in the system that they're playing in and with the players that they're playing with. Um, it's going to be really difficult for us to see what type of player even Filipowski is going to be because of how he's being used currently at Duke. As you mentioned, the DHO stuff, like there was one possession that I looked at where he was the one getting the ball off the DHO. He pulled up like full speed, pulled up for a jump shot once he got it. And it was beautiful and it went in and it really made me think like, wow, if I was the coach and I saw a seven footer do that, I'd think about doing that a little bit more, mm -hmm. but the unfortunate thing is they haven't done much more <laughs> of that. So I, I think that's unfortunate and um, is a really good point that you made. And I really agree with, and I really hope that they do more of that, but I just don't see it happening. Yeah. And, and especially like, I think that if you like deployed Filipowski in, in more of these kind of scenarios and more movement scenarios. And then you did the same thing with Derek. And yes. instead of like telling Derek to be a guy who's consistently taking tough shots, you were like, 
I want you to like get open and, and run off floppy and through elevator screen and right. do all these different things. I think the threat of those two guys, like on opposite ends of the floor could really open things up for, you know, some of their other guys who maybe are a little bit more reliant on like, you know, getting into the paint. So, but you touched on the mid range shot and I think he does settle sometimes like he he's had moments where because I think he can create an isolation a, a little bit and he doesn't do it. He doesn't get the opportunity to do it a ton, but he has flashed it a little bit in his bag. And sometimes he'll he'll kind of settle and pull up in that mid range. And when it goes in, it looks great. But where I really like him to be used there is in the mid post. That's where I really like it. I think yeah. I, he, he already is huge. He's already got a high release. And when you give him that ball on one of the blocks and he could spin off over whatever shoulder the team is overplaying him and he can just knock down that kind of an unguarded shot. It could be a real weapon. Now he's not like a great passer. You know, I don't think he's like a, a terror Mm-hmm. or anything as a decision maker and I don't think he's been a decision making hub I think he's a play finishing type Correct. more so than any kind of creator uh so I- I'm not saying that like you dump the ball to him in the mid post and run your offense there or you know let him initiate stuff from the elbow all the time but I think that you know he he is a threat as a scorer and you know as he grows he'll learn how to like you know read double teams or whatever and kick to his open teammates and, and that comes with experience but I do think the fact that one, he can, you know, kind of just shoot over you in the mid post. Mm-hmm. And two, he can, um, he has shown ability to score around the basket in the post. Mm-hmm. He definitely needs to get stronger there. Yes. He needs to get stronger. Cause I mean, overall, you know, he's shooting 43% from the floor, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, so he's got to get stronger. And part of that is finishing around the hoop because he gets to the spots around there and he's got some craft. And I, I think he's got a pretty good second jump, like mm-hmm. in the offensive rebounds, kind of, you know, put it back and whatnot. But if he's going to be used as a guy who is on that mid post, sometimes he's going to have to back guys down when he mm-hmm. gets, you know, more than just like a guard on him. Cause I think when he gets a guard, he's, you know, he's pretty efficient. But when he has a guy who's maybe a wing or something, and, and I think that's what he's going to experience at the NBA level he's going to have to learn how to punish those kind of mismatches. Um, so, and, and that'll come with, with, you know, strength, I think. No, I a hundred percent agree. That was actually one of the things that I wrote in my notes because I felt that way for the defensive end as well. I think he needs to get a little bit stronger. Um, I think he's got a decent frame, good size, whatever, but I think for both ends, offensively and defensively adding strength will be really good for him because Corey, I, it's something that I did want to say, you mentioned his passing. I actually thought he was pretty a pretty good passer. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say he was a great passer or special or anything like that, but there are a couple of possessions where I was like, oh, like that's a really smart extra pass that you made there. Um, yeah. And I think really speaks to him being a cerebral player. He's, he's, he's a smart guy. He plays smart. I feel he's yeah. got a, He's got a high feel. He's got a high feel that I enjoyed a lot. Um, I think the mid post stuff that you said, I, I really agree with. There was one possession caught it on the left block posted up took one dribble to to the middle and then he spun back took a shot from the baseline it was beautiful went in looked really good and really made me think like wow if that's an aspect of his game that he can continue to develop then that adds a really nice wrinkle to him where i mean obviously he's not a great passer but if he can be a good passer and have that type of bag if from the mid post you know down to the low post wherever then we're talking about a guy who is a multi-level scorer and a guy that you can actually throw the ball to and say, Hey, you go and get us a bucket, which is highly valued in the NBA. And especially if we were talking about a seven footer with his shooting touch, that's really, really special. So um, I I agree with you, man. I think the biggest thing with him um, for me, just following up on what you said. Yeah. I I just wish he was a little bit stronger, but the great thing about strength is you can always add strength. And we've been talking about that, right? Easy to add old man strength, easy for you to go into the gym and lift some weights and you will get stronger. So that's something that doesn't need to be taught. He can go and earn that himself. Um, But the offensive wrinkles to his game is, I think the most enticing thing with him because we already know he's got the shooting form to, to go with all that. Yeah. And uh shout out to everybody watching live on YouTube. Shout out to Lawrence Goggins who says Lori Markinen vibes. Larry, you're getting ahead of ourselves. You know, we, you got to wait to the end of the show till we get to our comps, but um, 
I will agree. You know, spoiler alert, I wrote about Kyle Filipowski and his offensive game uh, for NoCeilingsNBA.com a couple of weeks ago and uh, kind of broke down parts of why I think he showed so many similarities to Laurie. And, you know, uh, and for me, it, it was an exercise to help better understand what Kyle Filipowski could be at the NBA level. And part of that, part of the things that I saw, like going back, you know, uh, moving past the shooting, moving past like why he needs to add strength, touch around the basket. I think he can put the ball on the floor and he's not a guy that who is going to, you're going to give the ball on the perimeter and be like, go create and, and penetrate, right? Like off the bounce here. But when he comes off those handoff actions, like he has the ability to get into the paint as, as the defense is shifted and he's got a little bit of momentum. He has the ability um, to attack closeouts. And when you have the kind of shooting gravity that he has, even only shooting 33%, guys run out at him. They, they are trying to run him off the line. And, you know, he's had moments, especially on the baseline. That's where I really like him when he's in the corner and a guy closes out, there's a swing pass to him or a skip or whatever that he can throw a little pump fake. And then it's like one or two dribbles at the rim and he's finishing like, yeah. that's going to be really valuable. Like, obviously you don't want him putting the ball on the floor a million times. Cause I do think he's got a tight handle, but it's, he's not like shifty. So he's not going to create like a ton of space and he doesn't really need to, cause he's so big, but he's just not that type of guy right now. Um, but I, I like how he is going to be able to attack gaps and seams and closeouts. Um, with a couple of dribbles finishing near the rim. Now, I do also think that, you know, he's going that part of that added strength will help him finish when he is getting downhill, but he's got some nifty footwork. He's got some nifty footwork. You know, he, he's, he's got that left, right step through, mm-hmm. um, the finish euro, I guess, uh, I saw somebody call it, uh, after I, I wrote my piece. So I, I, I think he's got a way more versatile scoring package then I think I thought we were going to see this year at Duke. Corey, I think the point that you're ultimately making is that we're not going to expect him to play like a wing, but he is a big that has some wing skills. Which I don't know. Like I, I actually think he might be used more as a wing wow. at the next level. Okay. Yeah. I think that's going to be part of his versatility. Like, mm-hmm. I think that he's really interesting because, you know, we see some of the guys in Utah who obviously like Laurie Markinen's a big Kelly Olenek is a big, but both of those guys are playing in a five out system. And uh, really a lot of these positions are interchangeable from the wing spot. He's also a guy that, you know, you could put with another post guy and he can be out on the perimeter and be used right. more like a wing. I, I you know, and I think that, that's ultimately going to be what he has to be because, you know, I will, we'll talk about his defense later, but I just think from a value standpoint, like I, I don't think he's shown the rim protection instincts to ultimately be like your full-time five necessarily, unless you have like a special defender at the four who's equally versatile on that end as, as Filipowski is on the offensive End. But I do think he's got some real kind of wingy skills, which could create some offensive mismatches. With that said, it wouldn't totally shock me if a coach who maybe wasn't as creative as some of the coaches are in the NBA, you know, does kind of pigeonhole him into like that floor spacing stretch four or five role and doesn't kind of use him, I think, as um, optimally as you kind of could use him. And, and again, we only see it in flashes at Duke. Cause I also don't think he's being used optimally in, in Duke system. So it's right. very clear that that, that could happen in the NBA as well. No, a hundred percent. I think that ultimately what you said was the point that I was trying to make where it's, um, he's got a lot of wing skills and it's surprising and alarming and impressive to see that from a seven footer. Um, but once again, whether it's in college or the NBA, that system that he ends up in, how he's utilized the sets that they run with this guy is going to be really important because Corey, going back to the point that you made earlier, he is a finishing type of guy, right? And if you're going to be a finishing, a play finisher, then how you finish the play, a lot of that is, 
um, dependent on the type of stuff that you're running as a team, right? Or the, that the coach is running. So um, I'm with you, man. I, I think that's what makes him so intriguing is the wing skill stuff, the stuff that he can do with the ball in his hands. But at the same time, maybe, you know, you don't want to get too wild and have him be the ultimate, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be the type of guy that's the offensive hub for anybody. Mm. Is I, And I think you're no, saying I, the I same agree. thing. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. So with that being said, situation is going to be really, really important. And how these wing type skills are utilized is going to be really interesting to see. I agree. Uh, is there anything else offensively that you want to touch on for Filipowski? Actually, no, no, I think I covered everything. All right. Uh, then I think it's time that we take a quick break. And when we return, we will cover Kyle Filipowski's defense and get into some of our, uh, America's favorite segments. All right. What's going on, everyone? We're back to break down the other side of the ball for Kyle Filipowski. So, Albert, I'm going to let you kick it off. Uh, where are you at with Filipowski on the defensive side of the ball? I've got some question marks. All right. Yeah. Let's hear them. Um, I like his competitive spirit. Yeah. Is what I put. I think he competes. Um, I do not think that even with his competitive spirit, he will ever be an elite level defender. And I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. No, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think, I that's think it's very fair. fair. Um, some of the things that I have about him is I think his feet are pretty heavy. Um, I won't go as far as saying that he's got stone feet because we've seen some guys in the league with some stone feet. He, I, I don't think he has that, but his feet are a little bit heavy. I think um, guarding smaller, quicker guys is going to be difficult for him. But hey, uh, that's difficult for all seven footers. So that's not a Filipowski exclusive thing. Um, I did want to say, though, that I was pleasantly surprised by his positioning on defense at times i thought he was pretty good about being in the right spots and um being there being at those spots in, in a timely manner so i did want to give him some credit for that um there were a couple blocks that i was like oh i, I didn't think you were going to get there but he did so i think that speaks more towards you know the effort and uh the desire to get there because he got there you know um yeah. but just overall i do feel like number one and i said this previously on offense too but i'd like for him to be stronger i think adding strength will help him on the defensive side of the ball because where he lacks with foot speed i think you know he does have decent size and length i i, I haven't seen any measurables on his wingspan but mm -hmm. his his arms don't look like he has like a negative wingspan so if he can if he can get a little bit stronger I think that'll help him compensate a little bit for the lack of foot speed and um, overall positioning stuff was good too. So actually, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a bad or terrible defender. I just don't feel like he has the tools to ever be like an elite defender, but I think intellectually feel wise and with his size, I think he has more than enough to at least be decent if he just, you know, tightens things up. Yeah. I, I I'm kind of optimistic about him as a defender not as a rim protector, not as a guy who you can who's going to anchor your defense and this goes back to more of him, you know, potentially being like a wing type of guy. But I thought that he was he had some really impressive moments in that Kansas game against Jalen Wilson, who I thought he did a good job staying with him out on the perimeter. And it was weird is like from a body perspective, he looks like he's got those tight hips. Yes. Like that slender frame mm -hmm. where, you know, he, he's, a, you would think like he's a little stiff and he's got a little stiffness to him, but he's a little bit more flexible than he looks. Mm. And so I do think he's capable at sliding his feet. I don't think he's going to be one of these multi tooled, yes. like switchable defenders. Like I, I don't want him <clears throat> switching on to guards all that often, which I'm sure there are going to be NBA teams who try to target him, you know, looking forward and, and, trying to picture him in a playoff setting. But I do think that, you know, he does have the lateral mobility to at least move his feet with some of the, the winger, the wingier guys in, um, you know, at least at the college level. And, you know, we'll see potentially in the NBA, but I, I think he competes. I think he moves his feet kind of well, he's tall. And, you know, that's, uh, even if he's not super long, like he's still long for human beings. You know, just because he's not right. Victor, like he's still a right. giant person who's who can, who's going to reach up and you have to shoot over. So I think that structurally he's going to be a guy who can defend within a system. 
And if he can get that far, he could be a guy who could be valuable to a team and and not absolutely murder you. Now, do I expect that early in his career? No, I think he's going to murder teams early in his career with his defense. I think teams will pick on him a little bit. But ultimately, I do think that he has it in him to overcome, you know, whatever shortcomings you would think he has based on how he looks on the court. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you talked about his flexibility. I thought to myself, hey, maybe he's a maybe he's a quiet Pilates guy that we don't know about. Well, you know? Maybe keep keep doing it because he needs yeah. to be more flexible. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I think overall, it's it's weird. I think I was expecting both of us to be a little bit lower on him defensively, but after watching the tape, it I didn't feel that way because the effort is there. Right. And the stuff that you talked about, right, where, yeah, he looks stiff and he looks like, you know, he's going to get abused defensively, but he has his moments and he has moments where he steps up and he moves his feet, he slides his feet and he really fights to stay in front of guys, you know, and guarding someone like Jalen Wilson isn't going to be easy for a seven footer necessarily, you know, like no. he's still a wing, you know, that you, you've got to compensate for speed and handle and all those things. So, um I don't hate him as a defender, but I also agree with you. I think early on it will be difficult. But at the same time, Corey, sometimes for these younger guys, you got to go through those seasons of getting picked on and, you know, exposed for you to grow and become better at defending. And I think he has the skills to, like I said before, potentially one day become at least a decent defender. I'm not saying he will be, but I don't see why not. The path is there. The path is there. And, you know, look, we have to realize, like, most forwards – and and most power forwards or centers are like, you know, they're you'll live with hit the matchup there defensively right. in college basketball. In the NBA, like if you're running him out at a five, he might have to, you know, deal with uh Jalen Duran or, you know, Embiid or Jokic or like a really strong guy who's gonna bully him a little bit. Right. He might have to chase, you know, Carl Anthony Towns out on the perimeter as a shooter. He, he might have to chase Paul George out on the perimeter. Those are much different problems than what he's currently facing at Duke. But I think we're going to get a clear picture when, you know, now we get into conference play and he's consistently playing, you know, these high level guys in a good conference. We'll see more on that end. But I think, you know, scenarios like the Kansas game give you reason to be optimistic, even if you should never expect him to be any kind of lockdown guy. But you should expect that, okay, we're drafting this guy with a top 20 pick, potentially a late lottery pick, probably. Is he going to bring enough offensively that we could live with, you know, him as a system defender? I think that's the conversation defensively. I kind of think, yeah, I think I'm a buyer. I think when I did my my piece on him it gave me a clear picture of how he could contribute at the NBA level. And, and I ultimately ended up a little bit higher on him. I, I don't remember. I think he, I have him at like 15 or something. I don't know. I don't know if I was the high man on him because Nathan already deleted all of our individual rankings when he put together the composite rankings. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that uh, I think I've bought in based on on you know our early season deep dive there's still a lot of time for me to move him you know up or down the board but where i'm at right now i feel confident that he's he's one of the the safer picks in the draft yeah and to be honest Corey, after doing the film deep dive and everything i think i'm gonna end up higher on him too than where i had him actually i think i had him 30th and um Mm. After going deeper and, you know, really getting a good feel for him, I, I definitely feel like I have him a lot higher than 30th now. I, 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 I don't think I'm as high as you at putting him at 15th, but, you know, at the same time, who knows? Things can change, and I may ha- end up having him even higher than that. You never know how things go. But so far, it, it just on the defensive side of the ball, was pleasantly surprised is the best way, I think, to char- characterize how I felt. And, you know, kind of the last thing about the defense is, you know, rebounding. the last the rebounding. The last thing, you know, you, the last part of defense is securing that rebound. And let me tell you, as a uh, high school basketball coach, coaching a young varsity team, you really need to secure those rebounds. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been a really, really good rebounder. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, when you're, you're making comparisons to some of those other, you know, white shooters, I think he's been better than some of those guys for on, on a rebounding front. I, I think he really reads the ball well. 
coming off the rim, especially offensively. I think he's had some really good crashes, yes. offensive rebounds. But uh, defensively, I think he's he's a strong defensive rebounder, and I think it's one of the you know better parts of his game. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's an important aspect to what he could bring as well. No, I, I agree, and, and I'm sure once we get into the comps, we're gonna bring up names like oh, oh, Kelly Olenek or Larry Markinen or whatever. And I agree with you. I think he's a better rebounder than those guys at this stage. So that's, a, that's another plus for him. Yeah. All right. Um, I think, uh, is there anything else defensively you want to hit with, with him or, or, you know, is it time? No, I think it's time. All right. Uh, if you're buying stock in Kyle Filipowski, then who may you have bought stock in previously? So Corey, I really wanted to avoid the white guy for white guy comp. And yeah. I tried really difficult. I tried really hard. Thought of all kinds of names. Went to the regulars, blah, blah, blah. But this is a guy that I know I've mentioned before. I don't think I've ever like exactly said that any of our prospects reminded me of him. But this is a weird comp for me because he's he was a, he was much shorter than Filipowski. I think he was like 6'7", six, 6'8". Six, I think 6'8 is actually his height. But I imagined if he was 7 feet tall in the current NBA, you would use Glenn Rice in a similar fashion. And the reason why I brought up Glenn Rice... Wild card! <laughs> <laughs> Let's the go! Reason, the reason why I brought up Glenn Rice is because, I, I, you know, Glenn Rice always kind of struggled with his knees, and he always had gigantic <laughs> things all over his knees. But He did. I, I, I loved how he operated in, in the mid-range. And obviously, that was like a 90s staple, of course. But the way that, you know, he was running off screens, like, I distinctly remember the way that Glenn Rice played on those Hornets teams. They had um, Anthony... Anthony, um, oh my God, Anthony Mason. I almost Mason. said Anthony Davis. Hey. Anthony Mason was initiating a lot of their offense. They had David Wesley on that team, Vladi Divac. Um, I know I'm missing some other guys too. But anyway, the way that they, uh, Bobby Jones, but the way that they operated things and they had Glenn Rice going off of screens and they had, um, you know, David Wesley and all these guys running off of screens together. I, I thought it was really interesting. And there would be times that they would just dump the ball off to Glenn Rice in the low post and he would go to work and go middle, shoot over his left left shoulder, a little baby hook or a little jump shot. I, I, I think there's a world where Filipowski might be used in that way, but he's seven feet tall. Mm -hmm. So um, I went with Glenn Rice because Glenn Rice was one of the sweetest shooters the league has ever seen. A guy who once averaged, I think, 28 or 26 points per game, um, was a multi-time all-star, was such a good player, one of my favorites growing up. And it actually really broke my heart when he came over to the Knicks and was terrible because he was so washed at that point in the Knicks. And his knees were out. Um, but a guy that was really good in his time and was an unbelievable shooter and was used really well on a lot of different teams. And so I went with Glenn Rice. I'm glad that you were able to avoid the white yeah. on white comp because as hard as I tried, I just couldn't figure it out. Uh, and you had to really go outside of the box oh, yeah. to to come up with one of those that that wasn't um look i wrote an entire piece on the comparisons between him and laurie marketing and for me with laurie it came down to i think that they move really similarly on the court like when i watched him move around kinesthetically the movement patterns just they some of the times it was you know it's almost identical i think that if you're a guy like filipowski um who's watching the NBA growing up as a kid, you're probably watching a little bit of Laurie Markkinen as a guy you like, you, you look at him and you go, Oh, I look like that. And you probably think, all right, I'm going to take, you know, some things from his game. So I think that, uh, if you go and read my piece, you can really see kind of the in-depth reasons as to why I, I think that, but it's the pick and pop. It's the, uh, attacking closeouts. It's, the kind of sneaky ball handling ability that they have together. Um, it's the ability to kind of punish Mitch uh, mismatches in the mid post. It's kind of like the sneaky, like defensive ability to move your feet and not get killed, which allowed Markinen to kind of play small forward for the Cavs a little bit, even if it wasn't ideal, you know, he did play small forward for the Cavs, which worked because of Evan uh, Mobley and Jared Allen. But he was able to make that work, right? It, they didn't push him to the bench because he, he was passable. So uh, go and read that piece in its entirety and you'll see very specific examples on film. 
but I that that's the one I have to I have to come to. And I think if you're really buying into him as a lottery guy, you're looking at how Laurie Markkinen um, has been used this year and in Utah, and you think, all right, if we can optimize this dude on an NBA floor, right. he might not be 22 points like Markkinen is right now, but maybe he's a guy who's averaging 16, 17 points per game, 10 rebounds, and you know isn't totally killing you on defense. And if you get that at the back end of the lottery, it's probably a pretty solid selection. You know, I, I, I'm, I don't think there's a Giannis that you're going to pass on in this draft necessarily uh, after the lottery, but that's something we learn obviously every, uh, <laughs> every few years, you know, we don't know who's going to be the, the late guys, but I, I think he's, I think he could, you know, bring that kind of production. I really do. So, that's my comp and I'm sticking to it. No, it's, it's a really, really good one. And honestly, I would have said the same if I wasn't really stubborn about not doing a white guy, white guy comp. So, um, I really had to go above and beyond to land on Glenn Rice, but, um, I love the comp, man. I, I, I love that you, you know, brought that outside of the box thinking because (laughs) nobody listening to this probably was going to be like, Albert's going to say Glenn Rice. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking you, yeah. you know, I, I was thinking maybe coming into this show, I was like, maybe Albert's going to say like debt left shrimp, oh, you know, maybe that's who he was going to bring, bring into this or something. <laughs> it's just, yeah. I mean, Parks and Rec Corey, legend. Yeah. I imagine Corey, we probably have some kids listening who are like, who the hell is Glenn Rice? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay too, kids. Yeah. We need, uh, we need fabulous to bring back the throwback jerseys to get some of these guys you know, the shine that, yeah. that they deserve. All right, Albert, it, uh, it's time for you to sell me this pen on Duke's Kyle Filipowski. I don't know why, um, Corey, when you brought up the fabulous jerseys things, I randomly thought of Bobby Jackson and then like Chris Webber. I, weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> let me sell you on this pen. Okay, guys. If you like shooters, and most NBA teams do, then you you should be interested in Kyle Filipowski. Kyle Filipowski is a seven foot dead eye sniper, a guy who is only going to get better at shooting if that's even possible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, don't ignore his numbers for now. We're twelve games into the season; he's shooting thirty three percent from three, but that number can end up a lot higher by the time the season is over. Um, I would also say, if you're an NBA team, don't look at how Filipowski is being used at Duke right now. Look. Look internally, look at how you run your offense and ask yourself, how can we be more creative about using a guy like that? Because as Corey and I have mentioned here, he is a seven footer who has some wing skills, a guy who can dribble pass and shoot um, and is a really interesting, interesting prospect who has also a little fire in his belly. He's a very competitive guy, a guy who's going to compete on both ends of the floor. So where he may lack in terms of athletic ability, he makes up for in skill and desire. And I, I could tell you this, a lot of NBA teams have bet on athleticism and have come up short, but betting on skill and desire is usually a pretty good bet to make. So that's why I'd say Kyle Filipowski might be a really guy, good guy to bet on. There's some bars at the end there. <laughs> I try. <laughs> I think that that's the uh, that that's the um you know the quote that that Paige uses for the the graphic for the episode. <laughs> Turn the TikTok camera on, Kyle. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, uh, Albert, tell uh, the people where they can find you, what you're working on, all the good stuff. Sure. Sure. Uh, you can find me at Alberto Gim is where you can find me on Twitter. Um, where Twitter is going from here, we do not know. There's and no way of knowing. We have no clue. But for as long as Twitter is alive, that's where you can find me. I'm currently working on a piece on Jalen Clark from UCLA. Um, I will be dropping that piece on Thursday. So actually, by the time you're listening to this, it's probably out there. And uh, I'm comparing him to an NFL legend wow. is who I'm comparing him to this week. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a weird one. I hope people don't hate it. Um, but you know me, I always like to compare these prospects to somebody or something. Um, so we're keeping that alive this week. And I'm comparing him to an NFL legend is where you can find me, if that makes any sense at all. I absolutely love it. I think um, he, there's a lot of football player in how he plays defense. Uh Nathan and I just saw UCLA and Kentucky this past weekend at the garden, uh, which was an awesome experience getting to, you know, be credentialed at Madison square garden for the first time was uh, a little bit surreal, you know, as somebody who, who grew up coming to that arena. Amazing. Um, and Jalen Clark was really impressive. 
he was really impressive live, you know, and, and you know, every time I watch him, I'm like, that dude looks like Javante Green on the court. Let's like, go. like there is a role for that dude in the NBA. I think he's probably going to end up being a first rounder. Um, his impact is felt. It's felt. I, I freaking love that. And he's someone, you know, I've, I've been trying to hint at for a little bit now. I saw him live a couple of times at UCLA. And even for me, like I, I, I didn't. Yeah, it, he was just so impressive every single time. And every single time I'm there to watch Mari Bailey and Jaime Akis Jr. or Maxwell Lewis from Pepper. I'm, I'm, I'm always there to watch other people. Yeah, and I always pops. end up, le- exactly. I always end up leaving impressed by him. So, yeah. Yeah, I like, I told Nathan, I was like, dude, like he plays defense like a cornerback. Like, so, you know, I'm excited to to read your, your piece on him. Um, if you're listening to this, then my piece uh, dropped yesterday on called drop coverage, you know, talking about a few guys who I mentioned earlier that have dropped in um, our hearts a little bit since the start of this draft cycle and why they're dropping. If there is a way to remedy the situation and what that means, you know, for their future. So check that out. We also released a mock draft, a big board, just a bunch of lists and rankings this week at noceilingsmba.com. And you can read all of this awesome work for free. And if you subscribe, again, for free, what a Christmas gift, you will get it delivered directly to your email inbox every single morning for the rest of eternity is how long that'll be. So um, rate, review, comment, share, like all the podcast stuff. That would really, you know, helps us grow and uh, do more cool stuff. And um, we're going to be all over the place, live scouting. If you ever see any of us, come say hi. Come say what's up. We love and thank you all for your support. We hope you have a very happy holidays. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. All that stuff. Um, Enjoy spending time with all of your loved ones. Until next week. We're out. Peace. Peace.